on behalf of these niggas that got felonies. Convicted conversations. Convicted conversations. Hi, good afternoon. This is Gary, your host of Convicted Conversations. Speaking on behalf of these niggas that got felonies. Those in pains from they lost one's memories. Hey, this is your host Gary from Convicted Conversations. And this week we'll be talking about the DC sniper Lee Boyd Malville, who recently was married while serving six life sentences in prison. Has been and there is no need to Cause people the answer to your prayers are here. Sister Mary, don't you me? Tell mother not to mom. We need the love. shootings. He was a juvenile when he was sentenced to life without parole. Melville terrorized the Washington, D.C. area in 2002 with his older accomplice, John Allen Muhammad. The pair killed 10 people and wounded others during a two-month sniper shooting spree. At the time, Melville was 17 years old. A court ruled he would spend the rest of his life behind bars. But since then, the Supreme Court has changed the rules for sentencing minors to life. Meanwhile, Muhammad was sentenced to death and executed for the crimes in 2009. Melville was found guilty of capital murder in 2003. Here's Cheryl Atkinson's report from the CBS Evening News that night. Families of the victims solemnly filed out of court after the three guilty verdicts, two for capital murder and a firearms charge. The only one who spoke publicly after the verdicts was the brother of Dean Myers, victim number seven out of ten, shot at a gas station in Virginia. We are extremely pleased with the verdict, believe that justice has been served, and we appreciate the opportunity now to move into the sentencing phase. The jury apparently took Lee Malvo at his word, at least when he admitted right after his arrest that he was the trigger man in the murder of Linda Franklin. The jury rejected the defense argument that Malvo was himself the last victim in the shootings, brainwashed by sniper mastermind John Mohammed, his father figure. Malvo's lawyer had even called Malvo John Mohammed Jr. Both sides are still bound by the judge's gag order and can't talk to the media. Prosecutor Robert Horan. We are allowed to comment. Horan used closing arguments to show the jury gruesome photos of Franklin after she was shot. That's this defendant's handiwork, he told them. That's what he did. Joining me now from Falls Church, Virginia, is Ilya Shapiro. Ilya is the director of the Robert A. Levy Center for Constitutional Studies at the Cato Institute. Thanks so much for being with us, Ilya. Malvon mm-hmm. Mohammed committed what Virginia officials have called, quote, one of the most notorious strings of terrorist acts in modern American history. So why would the Supreme Court decide to hear Malvo's case now? Malvo was 17 when he committed his murders, uh, and the Supreme Court decided in 2012 that uh, minors, those under 18, cannot be sentenced to a mandatory life without parole. 
And then in 2016, the court decided that that rule applied retroactively. Well, Malvo's sentence was not a mandatory life without parole. It was discretionary. The jury uh, could decide, and, and that's what it decided. So the question now before the court is there's a split on this issue among courts across the country uh, about whether that earlier rule applies to these discretionary uh, sentences of life without parole. Well, do we know if the Supreme Court had any reservations about taking this case? If so, what might have contributed to that? It's a really unusual process. We don't know exactly what the justices were thinking, that, that those discussions aren't public. Uh, but the case, uh, once the petition from Malvo's lawyers came in last fall, was relisted, meaning that they were going to be taking it up in conference again and again and again, nine times. That's really unusual, which means who knows what their discussions were behind the scenes, thinking about whether this is an important enough case to take, uh, whether the underlying factual uh, history makes us too unusual to set the rule for the entire country. Well, we'll have to see this fall when they have argument in the case. Yeah, the case will be heard in October of this year. What are the central legal issues that we should be paying attention to when each side makes their argument? So the, the question is this, uh, they're very technical things. Again, uh, the initial Supreme Court ruling in 2012 says you cannot have mandatory life without parole. Uh, for juveniles, let alone the death penalty that was gotten rid of uh, even earlier. And then four years later, they made that rule retroactive. But here in Virginia, this was not a mandatory life without parole. It's something that the jury was given the option to do, and uh, and they applied that. So did they use the correct standards? Is the uh, Does the uh, prohibition of, of the court from 2012 against mandatory life without parole, does that extend to even the option of having life uh, without parole? They rise the entire Washington region for nearly a month. I mean, I, I love the monster. If you look up the definition, I mean, that's what a monster is. I, I was a goo. I was a thief. I, I, I stole people's lives. Lee Boyd Malvo, convicted in the D.C. area sniper case, says he's truly sorry for what happened. His exclusive interview with the Washington Post comes on the 10-year anniversary of the shooting spree that left 10 people in the Washington region dead over the course of about three weeks. Speaking from Red Onion State Prison in Virginia, where he's serving a life sentence, Malvo, who's now 27, tells the Post's Josh White what it was like to be under the control of his older partner in the killings, John Allen Muhammad. But he told me the old person had to die. And he gives jarring descriptions of how they deliberately, but randomly, went about shooting their victims. It's the detail in Malvo's account that is often so haunting, like his description of what happened here in the parking lot of this Home Depot, when Malvo was the spotter and John Allen Muhammad shot Linda Franklin, who just happened to be in her car. Malvo describes how he gave the signal to shoot, how Muhammad, on a hill nearby, fired the kill shot and how the image of Franklin's husband is the one that stands out for him. The first one is Mr. Franklin's eyes. And what makes that they're penetrating, but it's, it is the worst sort of pain I've ever seen in my life. His eyes. It's the worst words. Do not deserve the depth in which to fully convey that emotion. And what I felt when I saw it. Retired FBI agent Brad Garrett, who questioned Malvo after his capture, says he's not surprised that Malvo is willing to pin much of the terror on Muhammad when he wasn't before. 
is the spell is gone. The whole idea that Muhammad was a good person or actually helped him in life has dissolved. And so now what he's doing is stepping forward. He's taking responsibility, but he's clearly putting Muhammad in the picture. Muhammad was executed in 2009. Josh White, the Post reporter, couldn't get new pictures of Malvo. The prison allowed no cameras, writing utensils, or paper. White interviewed Malvo through plexiglass. Can you tell us what he looks like now? You know, he looks similar to what he looked like before, though about 10 years older. Uh, he's kind of a slight guy. He, he's not particularly tall. He's not uh, particularly heavy. Uh, his hair was very closely cut. Paul LaRuffa, one of the first people shot during the spree, says he forgives Malvo. If I held the same hate today or that I felt in 2002 when he tried to kill me, I would have wasted or, or just damaged the last, I would have let him damage the last 10 years of my life. Hey, this is your host, Gary, from Convicted Conversations. And again, this week, I have an educator. How are you doing this morning, ma'am? I'm good. How are you? Outstanding. Man, we got one from the, the throwback vaults. Um, you remember the DC sniper? Mm-hmm. Back in like 2002? Yes, I remember. Right. Him and his um, stepson. Yeah. Well, Lee Boy Malvo was the stepson, and John um, Allen Muhammad was the... The ringleader or the mastermind behind everything um but the son um who's serving six life sentences was recently married mm. and it says lee boy malvo who is serving life in prison for his role in the 2002 um sniper spree that terrorized the nation's capital region is now a married man carmetta alberis who has served as an advisor and mentor for malvo since testifying in 2003 trial confirmed the wedding took place earlier this month. She said she attended the ceremony at Red Union State Prison in Southwest Virginia. Over the past 17 years, he has grown despite his conditions of confinement, she said in a phone interview. He has grown into an adult and has found love with a wonderful young lady. It was a beautiful ceremony. She declined to identify uh, who the bride was. Now, Marvel 35 who was 17 at the time when he and John Allen Muhammad embarked on a killing spree in October 2002 that led to 10 people dead and three wounded in Maryland, Virginia, and the District of Columbia. Others were killed as the pair made their way to D.C. region from Washington State. Muhammad was executed and Malvo was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Earlier this year, though, Virginia passed legislation that gives those who were under the age of 18 when they committed their crime an opportunity to seek parole after serving 20 years. As a result, Malvo will be eligible for parole in 2024. The change in the law prompted Malvo last month to drop a legal appeal that had gone all the way to the Supreme Court to determine if his life should be rescinded. Even if Malvo is granted parole in Virginia, he would also... He was also sentenced to life in prison in Maryland. Prison officials declined to comment. Rules in Virginia state prisons strictly regulate inmate weddings. Witnesses and guests are restricted to a maximum of six. And any refreshment served must be obtained by the prison's vending machines. Also, according to the regulations, a wedding shall not result in granting of special privileges for the consumption of 
I'm sorry, of the consummation of the marriage following the ceremony or thereafter. So 18 years later, John, uh, I'm sorry, Lee Boy Malvo has gotten married. Now, again, this dude was young as hell when he was doing this stuff with his stepfather. Mm -hmm. um, when he was actually caught, he was 17, but he was 16 when all of it started. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this is somebody that you looked up to for guidance, somebody that fed you, that clothed you, that bathed you, and they taught you to be this savage. Mm -hmm. And this dude was sentenced. Well, the stepfather, um, he's dead. He was um, executed. But now this dude still in prison. Again, everybody deserves a second chance. He never been in trouble before this. But the question I have, it's a million millions of women out here that's on their shit. They got good jobs. They're doing what they're supposed to do. They're helping guys that have convicted convictions on their record, guys that have felonies and stuff. I get it. The thing that I don't understand is how a female out here can live, have her shit together, and still would marry or still would go out and date somebody that's in prison, especially if there's a chance that he would never get out. What would make a female do something like that? I mean, outside of loneliness, but what would make them do something like that? Maybe something's wrong with them. I don't know exactly what. I can't really speak to that. I have no idea. I don't understand that mindset mm -hmm. at all. But I'm, my only guess would be that there was something in their upbringing that prompted them to, to actually commit their life to someone who could possibly have their life committed to the penal system for the rest of theirs. So right. that's something I really don't understand. I think that's a matter of maybe putting her on the couch and seeing, digging into her past to see exactly what what trauma could have caused that. Probably got low self-esteem. That, yeah, that's part of it. I mean... You can have low self-esteem and still know enough not to commit your life to somebody in a penal system mm -hmm. who, again, who probably will not get out. Right. So I think it's, yeah, low self-esteem is a is a contributing factor, but what has contributed to that low self-esteem to make right. her feel that way? That's something that is going to take probably years of digging by a psychiatrist. And I'm talking about just millions of men that she could be with that's out here on the outside mm -hmm. that can marry her, that can take care of her that she can actually hold and love and they could build together and like why a guy in jail i'm thinking maybe she had bad experiences with the ones on the outside mm. she just has not run into the right one for her yet right and i guess whatever types of conversation she has with him she always knows where he is right <laughs> pretty much yeah i mean he doesn't have a schedule so it's like uh I really don't know. So, like I said, that's a matter of digging in to her right. mental state to see what she's thinking to even think that's okay. Right. And, I mean, they still could cheat in jail. We all know that. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I know she know he's in jail and he's not out on the streets, but the things that they do on the streets, they do in jail. Right. She might have that fixer mentality. Like, right. That's like the ultimate fix. Right. In her mind, could be. Right. So, that, that could be a part of it. She's a helper and, you know. She's latched on to somebody who she feels is helpless. It's just outrageous, I feel. I mean, you could help somebody, but why marry them, though? Why commit to somebody that could possibly never get out? Like, you committing to this dude. You went there. You done married. You mm -hmm. sending letters. You sending him money. There's somebody that was 
a part of killing 10 people and wounding a bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. I know he was young at the time and he was um, still impressionable and easily influenced by his stepdad. Mm-hmm. Someone that was very abusive to him, that beat on him, that beat on his mother. This dude did all of these things to him and he went out doing this for him, I guess, so his stepdad could look at him in a certain way, mm-hmm. but it landed him in jail all of this time. And now you have someone that's out here that probably got her shit together that say, you know what? Fuck this. I need to help this young man. And what if he get out of jail and still has a, a attitude? What if he still has all of that stuff, all of that childhood trauma still built up inside of him? He is. He's going to have it. Right. It's not like he's being rehabilitated. He's just he's just incarcerated. Right. And again, who's to say what she went through? You know what I'm saying? She mm-hmm. could have. She may not have just been not have been punished for her crimes, but she may have done something or somebody might have influenced her to do some things in her lifetime and she feels that she can relate to him. Right. So, you know, it, it's a lot of factors that are playing there, but I know for a fact if he does get out, he's going to be messed up. Right. That's not, that's not a doubt about it. Definitely going to have to do a lot of counseling and therapy. For the rest of his life. Right. To be able to cope and comprehend with the things that he's done, the people that he's hurt. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not sure. I'm certain he didn't wake up and want to go do that. Right. But your daddy had you laying down in the trunk, cut out a keyhole so the barrel of the gun could fit through it. They would actually lay down in this trunk and shoot people at gas stations or out grocery shopping. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was for fun, but I know the dad was in the military at one point. Mm-hmm. And he got out and he had a bunch of mental issues. I think he was in Desert Storm if I don't... um if I remember correctly, he was in like the military back in the nineties or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he got out and he had all these mental issues mm-hmm. and he used to teach this young man how to shoot. But like I said, this dude grew up in a bad situation. We don't know where her past is, but I know that she's taking a chance on marrying someone that could potentially hurt her later. Mm-hmm. That could potentially bring this negativity and all of the things that he learned over the last 18 years in prison home to this lady. Right. Like, I don't... And that's the chance she's willing to take, but the thing is we have to figure out why she's willing to take that chance. I wonder if she's black or white. It doesn't matter. There's so many women that do that, though. She's just... She's not an anomaly. Yeah, even with, um... Shit, Charles, Charles Manson, Manson yeah. goddamn Ted Bundy, yeah. Wayne Gacy... Yeah. The 38 caliber killer, like all of these dudes have millions of fucking fans. Mm-hmm. Outside of all the people they kill, all of the people they terrorize, they still have women sending panties, letters, perfume letters, you name it, money, everything to them after killing all of these people. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. It's a series of mental illness. With so the women. Just, yeah, on both parts. Right. Well, I know they crazy. <laughs> they doing life in jail, but I'm talking yeah. about the women that go towards that right that's what i'm that saying evil. you don't know until you know what her past is we can question all day what was she thinking we really don't know right until you get to the bottom of her mental state and her upbringing and what's what are some of the things she may or may not have done right who may have influenced her and influenced her to do what so that's a that's a myriad of questions that you have to ask to figure out what may have steered her in his direction if you was home lonely as a female and you were single and you ran across a good guy or you seen a guy that enters you like that guy a few years ago, the bright skinned dude with the green eyes that all the girls was going crazy over the felon dude mm-hmm. 
and now he with some billionaire girl. Mm-hmm. But if you was in, I mean, if you had a, a newer dude or you was cool, would you ever date somebody in jail doing twenty years? No. Thirty years? No. Never. Five, four, three, two, or one. No. Damn. None. No. That's what I don't get. So why? I, I mean, and I again, can't. I've been in the county jail. It was only a few months, but. I've met women over the telephone, but I'm getting ready mm-hmm. to get out. I wasn't facing 20 and 30 years mm-hmm. like these guys. But I'm like, what? What? I'm not sure what's clicking in the heads of women that make them want to spend their money on somebody that they never had any dealings with. You don't have any kids with this guy. You've never been on one fucking date with him. What would make you want to spend mm-hmm. the rest of your life with this dude that just <laughs> killed people? <laughs> That's yet to be answered. That's what I'm saying. That's a question for the psychiatrist. Yeah, I need to get a fucking psychiatrist on the phone and ask about this. Like, this is outrageous. DSM five manual and and break it down for him because you know that's something we can't answer. But you definitely ain't dealing with no No. jailbirds. No. No affairs or butts. No collect calls. Nope. (laughs) Right. Mm -mm. Outrageous. I don't understand, man. Like I say, a lot of these ladies, they. And they some they be beautiful ladies. I'm like, what what the hell is wrong with you? Why are you dating somebody that's in jail doing all of this time when you could be out here with somebody in real life? Beauty is an eye of the beholder. Some beautiful people don't know they're beautiful. Hmm. They have never been told they're beautiful. If they have, it's not been by the right person that really meant anything. Right. You know, meant any good to them. So, again, you mentioned self esteem earlier. A lot of that goes back to self esteem. Right. They don't have it. They weren't groomed to know they're beautiful or groomed to respect themselves or groomed to you know not wait for somebody to validate what what beautiful is right. you get it they have to feel like oh it has to come from a guy in order for me to be beautiful or mm-hmm. no it doesn't you yeah and i ain't judging nobody i mean to each his own i'm just saying i'm trying to understand the mind state behind these ladies and why they rather risk their lives risk, risk their livelihoods their freedoms losing their houses all types of stuff to allow this evil to come into their life or into their houses i don't mm-hmm. i don't understand the mind state behind that somebody that you know just kill people not just lee malvo guys out here on the street you know they just killed a bunch of dudes you know they just shot up a neighborhood <laughs> why would you want to be with him i have no idea that might be a good show for you to invite one on Fine. yeah i need to, to know what the hell going on because yeah. like this don't make no sense and it's some smart young ladies out here that's on they shit, and they still going towards this. They still rather wait once or twice a day to hear from this guy, um, sending them stuff. I know this guy needs you, and you probably feel some type of um, sympathy or empathy for them, but I'm just saying, he's not going to be able to bring nothing to your life. Okay. He's probably bringing something to her life as far as emotionally. comfort, and she got somebody emotionally to talk to, right. and feel that empty void but at the end of the day i'm 90 percent sure it's not gonna end up how she think it's gonna end up i'm 99.9 percent sure it's not gonna right end up that way well, i don't know ladies y'all gotta do some soul searching and wonder why y'all keep making these same mistakes why y'all keep dating guys that's doing long periods of time in jail when you could be out here dating guys that are on the outside that want to do right that's not robbing and raping people. It's guys out here that go to work, that work real jobs, that want families. But a lot of the women now like to date guys in jail and guys that they have to take care of and guys they have to go see and drive 
two and three hours away to visit. I again, I don't see it. I, I I'm not sure what you women are thinking about when it comes to that. If some of you guys know, inbox me, hit me up on Facebook, um, and let me know your encounters, and that'll probably be our next show. I'm gonna try to see if I can have me a female on there that dealt with a guy over a ten or twenty year time span and to see what was the end result but this is another episode of convicted conversations don't let your past dictate your future and you guys be safe out there during this um coronavirus pandemic thank you beware of the lies and false prophecy we are many with eyes but don't all really see you must be merciful my friend to obtain the same so if you break the chain, don't pass the blame. We should say unto all, and I'll say it again. It's not just to win, shake a hand, make a friend. We who are pure at heart, somehow might see there's still light in the world. Come rejoice with me, it's a new day. A new world a brand new day. It's a change of mind. Thank you.